News Update. News out of Las Vegas for the Los Angeles Lakers. DeMarcus Cousins has reportedly suffered a knee injury during a Monday workout in Las Vegas. He's currently undergoing further testing by the Lakers medical staff. In the NFL, on Wednesday, Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer reported that the Vikings have made Laquan Treadwell available in trades. ESPN's Dan Graziano was reporting Odell Beckham Jr. missed Wednesday's practice with a hit pointer. In baseball, the Minnesota Twins have activated right-handed pitcher Michael Pineda from the 10-day injured list. Pineda will return to the Twins' starting rotation on Thursday night against the Rangers after missing around two weeks with a mild right tricep strain. For the Seattle Mariners, Felix Hernandez threw four scoreless innings in another rehab start Wednesday with low A Everett. And the Oakland Athletics have signed Matt Harvey to a minor league contract. He'll report to Las Vegas. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Inside Studio 34, this is the BFFs here on the Fantasy Sports Network. I am Greg Sussman, holding it down in New York City. Frankie Stample on his way to Europe. So, for the next week plus, it's you, me, and my guy from Nashville. It's EY Eric Young. What's up, EY? Fantasy season is ramping up, man. Drafts are happening all over the place. I've done a bunch. Best ball is in full swing. Uh, Andrew Luck is not a football player. I mean, everything seems right in the universe. Absolutely. Everything is ready for us to just tackle and take on. EY's done a ton of best ball drafts. I have live drafts over the weekend, my first big two over the season. So I got to get prepared. Today on the show, we're going to get our tight end preview in. We've hit on every major position uh, outside of tight ends. So for the next hour plus, Eric and I are going to do just that, hit on all of these tight ends. Tomorrow, we're going to give you an auction preview. The Brian Kendrick will join us. If he figures out how to work out Skype, he'll be on video. If he doesn't, he'll be on the phone with us. But Brian Kendrick will join Eric and myself in a bit of an auction show. We'll try to get UI on board with that. Monday, we'll recap everything from this weekend. It's going to be great. But Eric, Frank would be upset if I didn't ask you, how'd you sleep last night? Uh, terrible as usual, boys. Um, and I also somehow have managed to get poison oak. So, uh, my legs are covered with poison oak. We figured out, uh, we planted a wildflower flower garden uh, in our backyard. And apparently that the wildflower seed had poisonous oak seeds in it. And I walked through it the other day and now I have poison oak all over my legs. So, you know, I thought moving into the city, I'd, I would be able to avoid that. Apparently not. I've had it hundreds of times in my life. Grew up in a tiny little rural town. It's itchy. It is not contagious. Uh, it isn't. It isn't bad. It could be way worse. But uh, 
Yeah, it's it's already hard for me to sleep. Having poison oak is not making it easier. Where does poison oak stand on the poison ivy scale? Uh, above poison ivy. Poison oak, uh, I think the other one is poison sumatra or sum, sumtra. Yeah, that's the, the three plants in the family. Ivy's the lowest, then Sumtra, and then oak. Oak is the most aggressive, itchiest, and grossest of the three. So that's the one I picked. Fantastic! It makes sense that yep. someone like yourself would choose the oak over, over the other choices. More powerful. Yeah, more, more powerful, and you're man of many powers. So let's begin the show. Let's, let's get right into it here with the tight end position. And at number one... For once, I guess not for once, because we always had it with Gronk, but we begin with Travis Kelsey. And the question isn't if Travis Kelsey's number one tight end. It, he is. It's when do you take Travis Kelsey? Over the years, we've taken Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham. We've seen him go uh, at the turn from the first round to the second round, really as recently as within the last couple of years. Travis Kelsey, we've had the argument made by Davis Maddock of RotoExperts.com that he should be the sixth or overall player drafted. I'm not doing that, but Frank and I, in the uh, pit league last week, we took him right there in the middle of the second round. We had a little bit of fun. We probably took him slightly too early for our liking, but it was fine. Where, EY, would you feel comfortable selecting Travis Kelsey? I mean, if you want to get real wild, I mean, you could draft him in, in the first round. The, the truth is, is it, it is such an advantage of the position. You only have to start one. If he stays healthy, you can start him for you know a good portion of the year other than his bye week. But I just can't bring myself to pick a tight end in the first round. Um, but I, I'm definitely like I've got like a top four or five, top six, seven guys. I want one of those. Um, last year I, I was like it was like one of my last picks, and I ended up streaming tight ends. That is no way to live. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to be uh, starting Gerald Everett or you know guys like that. These are guys that I was forced to start last year, and it was an absolute nightmare in every single one of my my leagues. So I think it's recency, recency bias. I'm actually going to to reach for one of my probably top five or six earlier than I normally would, but I want to have something sure of the position. Yeah, so I tend to agree. I've also wound up last year streaming a bunch of tight ends. I think in one league I wound up drafting Jordan Reed. The, another one I drafted Kyle Rudolph. It didn't really work out. And I wound up streaming tight ends all season long, and it's very, very frustrating. And I think what I was going to try to figure out today with you, Eric, was where I have to draft it, right? Like, if I want one of my top guys or top-ish tiers, what do I have to do? Because as I'm looking at my tight end rankings in front of me, there's literally, like, eight guys I really want. I know you mentioned Trey Burton yesterday. We'll get into him and some of these other guys. But, like, there's, like, eight guys I really want. And if I don't get one of those eight guys, I feel like I'm going to be in the position that I was last season. And it's, it's just not fun. It's just not a good place to be where you're just hoping for, like, five points from your tight end um, on a weekly basis, and it doesn't work like that. Drafting Travis Kelsey ultimately will get you out of that. Now, by drafting him in the first round or spending a lot of money on him in an auction, you're taking a shot where... You think that Kelsey will outscore the other tight ends that you're going to get a little bit later on by a massive, massive amount. Because he has to. Otherwise, it's not worth that pick. You have, obviously, many more wide receiver spots to fill. Many more running back spots to fill. Travis Kelsey has to do enough to finish as a top-of-the-line player. I agree. You throw out position eligibility. It doesn't matter where the points come from. I'm totally with you on that. But... Kelsey better put up if you're taking him over Devontae Adams or over DeAndre Hopkins or over Julio Jones. 
he has to put up those like numbers, Eric. Yeah, and I think, I mean, history has proven that tight ends just don't do that. They don't do that on a consistent basis. Uh, having Tyreek Hill, I think, um, it, it lowers uh, Kelsey's Kelsey's uh, value because he's just not as valuable. He's not going to catch as many balls. He's not going to catch as many high-valuable balls. So, I mean, I'm just not taking him where he's going to uh, be drafted. I'm not going to have Kelsey everywhere, but I do believe he is the number one tier, the number one above everybody else, and it, it's likely not even close. Absolutely, it's it's not close. But after number one, move on to number two. Let's see who EY has a two and I have a two and, and try to mix and match a little bit. It's BFFs. We'll be back after this. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Here with you, BFFs, Greg Sussman, Eric Young with you, going over the tight end position. There is no disagreement. At the top, it's Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. Can he replicate what he did last year? That's up for debate. But tight ends rarely finish back-to-back years as the number one overall guy. We'll see if Kelsey can stay healthy, keep his head on straight, and ultimately finish in that spot. But number two for me is George Kittle of San Francisco. I know he's battling a bit of an injury here, but Kittle really came to his own last year and a little bit younger than Travis Kelsey, a little bit younger than some of these other guys. I really like Kittle, Eric. He's my number two tight end. Yeah, Kittle's number two for me as well. Love George Kittle. Uh, Been high on him since he came into the league. Huge year in San Francisco last year. Uh, I think he will regress. There will be a bunch of other pass catchers there, none of which they had last year. Uh, healthy Jimmy Garoppolo should help, um, but I think that they're going to they're gonna distribute this ball far and wide, and I don't think there's going to be a number one fantasy option really anywhere in San Francisco um, because game-to-game, you're, game, you're not going to know who's going to get the targets, and they're not going to know. They're just going to kind of do it as, as they feel, very West Coast offense style, spread the field, throw the ball all over the place kind of thing and, th- and throw it to the running backs. Um, but yeah, I got, I got Kittle. Uh, he's definitely my number two, a guy that I'd be su- super happy to get uh, in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, absolutely. Where he's going around that number makes a lot of sense. And, and I think you're right. You look at this 49ers offense and there is no clear number one wide receiver, number two, number three, whatever. We've talked a lot about Dante Pettis this off season, especially because Frank loves him. And all the news coming out of San Francisco is that we don't know what role Dante Pettis is ultimately going to play in this 49ers offense. There's one sure thing, and that is George Kittle. I think what makes the conversation even more interesting, Eric, is, is that with Kansas City, like, yeah, Travis Kelsey is amazing, but you also have Sammy Watkins. You also have Tyreek Hill. You also have Damian Williams. We're all going to get receptions out uh, or from Patrick Mahomes. It's a better offense. I'm not trying to argue that. But San Francisco, like... You have Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel and, and Marquise Goodwin and like, awesome, right? Like, cool. George Kittle is far and away the number one guy. To me, if you're looking at draft, uh, just in a vacuum here, and I have to take Travis Kelsey in the second round, or I can get George Kittle close to the fifth, I'm absolutely taking Kittle. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind Kittle in the fifth. 
Um, what worries me is that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the quarterback when he was point. when he was getting all these numbers. If you look, I mean, there was a connection there, but it wasn't like the one with Mullins. Um, uh, so it, the reality is, is, is we don't really know. We know that this offense is going to be decent. Uh, we, th- I'm pretty sure they're going to stockpile fantasy points. Uh, love the coaching staff. Love the coordinator. Uh, like a lot of the pieces. Uh, but the reality is, is we, we don't know. We don't, we, we've never seen these guys play together and you can't just say, oh, well, he caught a bunch of balls last year and that's, what's going to happen. It's a different team offensively, not in scheme or in strategy, but in, there's a bunch of, there's going to be three or four guys on the field starting every week that weren't there last year. So we just don't know. I think that's a fair point. Uh, no, no doubt that it wasn't Jimmy Roethlisberger throwing the ball. A lot of these players are young and they are rookies. But I also think, don't think you can deny talent, right? Like, George Kittle's clearly the most talented guy they have, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Freak. Kyle Shanahan are going to figure out ways to get him the ball. So I'm looking at the NFFC ADP for him uh, since the beginning of this month of August. That ADP uh, is not quite the fifth round. You're looking at George Kittle go uh, in the middle of the third round. Yeah. So, yeah, and that, that again for me is probably too, too pricey. Too rich, yeah. I mean, the reality is it's just too rich for me. Uh, there's too many guys and, and more sure things there. Um, tight ends don't score a lot of points. Having a guy that scores you 10 points a week is a big deal at the tight end position. A massive deal. Absolutely. If you can find a guy that scores you 8 to 10 points, you're going you're going to win games. Um, will Kittle score more than that? Yeah, probably in, in three or four games. But mostly he's going to score in that 8 to 10 point range. And, and I mean, there's just players there that are going to outscore him by a long shot. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And I, and I think, again, you look at George Kittle in the third round, he's going to outscore his position, which is great. But will that, who you're missing out on here in the early to mid-third round, is that going to be worth it? But when you decide to ultimately pull the trigger, that's the question you're going to ask yourself. Wide receivers like Julian Edelman are going around this spot as well. I have the NFFC ADP in front of me here. Kittle is going, as I mentioned, around 30. Uh, that means you're leaving players like Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman, Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Adam Thielen. You're leaving all these guys on the board, and I don't know that you want to do that. But a tight end that's going slightly before George Kittle is Zach Ertz. I know, Eric, you mentioned, I believe it was yesterday, about Dallas Goddard and the fact that he is there. And for me, that's why I have Kittle in front of Ertz. Ertz is my number three tight end. But... There's a lot of weapons in Philadelphia also, and Dallas Goddard is a thing. As good as Zach Ertz is, I'm a little bit worried about the inconsistency, so much so I'm not taking him here in the early third round. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm all over Ertz and best ball, and uh, what I've been doing is I've been getting Ertz in that, you know, third to fifth round, wherever I can. And if I get him, I make sure I reach for Dallas Goddard. And what I'm doing there is shoring up my tight end position in a place where I'm not going to be able to pick guys up or do a waiver wire. I'm getting a potent freak athlete on a good offense. I mean, and and with best ball, you can't ask for much more. As far as taking Zach Ertz, I got him my number three uh, behind Kittle. I don't think I could I could pick him there in the third round either. That it's just too rich. There, there's other guys that I feel could do the same thing. And we talked about this before in Philadelphia. I feel like this is going to be an unbelievable offense this year. But the skill positions, other than quarterback, you're just never going to know who's going to get the ball week to week. Is it going to be Deshaun Jackson? Is it going to be uh, Whiteside? Is it going to be Darren Sproles? Is it going to be Miles Sanders? Is it going to be Ertz? Is it going to be Goddard? Goddard was 
from what all intents and purposes and what we're hearing at a training camp and, and OTAs, the most impressive player on the field. Now think about that. A tight end is the most physically impressive athlete on the field above everybody that they have there. And I think so, the craziest so thing get, about that, Eli, is that that tight end you're talking about is not the guy that had the most receptions in the history of the NFL at the tight end position last year in Zach Ertz. Yeah, That's yeah, the craziest yeah. part to me. Because Ertz yeah. had 116 receptions last year. And, the, and I think the reason why it was because it came down to Ertz was the guy there because the wide receiving core was so banged up. Yeah. You know, I know they were starting. Algalore was was uh, their number one receiver for a huge part of of the fantasy season. Now I had him some places last year, but listen, Nelson Aguilar is not a number one wide receiver, and now they've got three or four guys that are going to start above him. It's going to take away from targets. I love Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz is might be the best technical route runner at the tight end position. He's just not a freak athlete like Kelsey, like Kittle, uh, you know, like he uh, Evan Ingram. He he's just just kind of an, a so-so athlete, but his technicality and route running and his ability to get open and, and the connection with him and Carson Wentz is the real deal. So yeah, it's a guy that I like, but I mean, the reality is it's just for a tight end, it's just a little too rich for my blood. Depending on what I got, though, I mean, if he's there for me in the early yep. fourth, I, I might go for it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. It's all going to be based on where you can draft these guys. I, it's too rich for me to do it. I just don't like the way my, my team shapes out when I do this in the second round or the third round. Yeah. And in this GST draft, again, we have it on Sunday. Uh, Rob Gronkowski lasted in the middle of the third round last year. Like, wow, like this, this is really good value. Let's do it. And it just didn't work out. I know it was Gronk. It was like the wrong tight end, ultimately. Um, but... Zach Ertz, the numbers are, they're just staggering. And EY alluded to this a second ago. He led tight ends in snaps, routes, targets, receptions. He did it all. And he finishes a top five tight end each and every year. And yeah, we could poo-poo him with saying Dallas Goddard is there and all these other weapons. But Zach Ertz is, is superhuman in a way. He, he's absolutely awesome. And I expect he'll have another awesome season. The only reason I leave him on the board is because there's so many other guys um, that I want when you draft him. Again, if he falls a little bit, and we're talking now the middle of the fourth round versus the middle of the third round, I think it's a different conversation. I, I, I think 100%. that... I think that's where that's where you have to pounce because the value is too good because you're going to be choosing between a Zach Ertz, a George Kittle, and probably a running back or a wide receiver that has question marks, right? Like when we're talking about the the Julian Edelman tier of wide receivers and some of the guys I just named, I'm going to take those guys first. But then you get to the next round and you're more in the range uh, with the the Galladay's and, and the Godwins and the Lockets and the Rams guys. There's a lot of question marks there. Zach Ertz, there's no question mark. George Kittle, always a little bit of a question mark, but not really. Yeah, always feels good at the time, but you get buyer's remorse. You get into that 10th, 12th round, and you're looking yeah. at your team, and you're like, oh, man, I don't have enough uh, running backs, or I don't have enough receivers, or I've got too many guys that are backups, or I need things to fall right. It's just, it, it's it's risky, but it could pay off, man. You want one of these big guys at your tight end position, for sure. The big guys just don't end there. There's a few more that I would love to have on my team. We'll tell you who next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire.
Putting your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you open up a, an account and receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to 500 bucks when you open a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports you're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid, open your new account, and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. You have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER at 21 and over, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. It's the BFFs. EY Eric Young is here. Greg Sussman with you as well. Frank Stample on vacation. Let me ask you this, EY, as a businessman. Uh, Frank's flight today is not to like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Should he have come to work and worked half the day before leaving? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, as a person that, that travels for a living and spends a lot of time in airports, I know that New York can be a, a bit of a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they tell you because it's international to be there two hours early for the flight. So, I mean, if he was there at 3, that would give him plenty of time. He could have done the show um, or, or at least came in this morning and worked till noon. Could not agree more. When he told me, when I realized his flight was not 536, I'm like, you could have brought your luggage, you could have hung out, you could have filmed stuff at noon, we could have recorded something for the show. But no. Sometimes you don't want to do that before a long flight, though. I can tell you, you mean running around like that and then jumping on a plane and, and sitting in economy for eight hours? Not the best time you've ever had. That's a good point. Uh, that's, that's fair. Uh, that's reasonable. Like, fine. All right. Let's get to the tight end position. Back to it. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, from each EY and myself, those are the top three tight ends. But as I said, there's like eight guys I'm really, really comfortable with uh, as my tight end going forward. Who is your next tight end? Because I think this may, may be where we differ a little bit. Yeah, Hunter Henry is my next tight end. Um, I, I'm I'm big on, on San Diego's offense this year. Philip Rivers is, just gets disrespected at every turn. Like he's not a great fantasy quarterback. He's steady in a two quarterback league. If he's my second quarterback, I'm laughing all the way to the bank and probably winning if he stays healthy. Um, Mike Williams is going to have a huge step. We know who Keenan Allen is. He is is an elite wide receiver and route runner. Um, Even if Gordon doesn't play, they've got two capable backs there, especially Eckler catching the ball. And Hunter Henry, I mean, look, he didn't play last year, and people like, I mean, there there is no reason he buys because he didn't play. But you need to think back to the year before when he was the second tight end on the field next to Gates, and he still came away with a pile of stats. He is going to be the guy there. I know there's talk that they might bring Gates back, but if he does, it's going to be as a decoy and maybe a goal line guy. He may take it touchdown or two away hunter henry is the man in san diego and i believe that they're going to be whipping the ball like crazy phil Rivers loves his tight end that's why antonio gates was always so valuable sign me up hunter henry all day long hunter henry is also my fourth tight end and i think people are sleeping, well, sleeping on him a little bit yeah I, I love hunter henry this year for all the reasons that you mentioned he's a big time target with a quarterback that loves to throw his tight end. And Antonio Gates uh, was still targeted in the red zone last year, even despite uh, being a little bit older. Hunter Henry is young. He is now way removed from this ACL injury. He's a perfect red zone target. He's a perfect player to come into this league and come into this team and pick off exactly where Antonio Gates left off. They've lost players in this receiving game for the Cardinals specifically, or for the Chargers rather, specifically Tyrell Williams. Keenan Allen's the number one wide receiver until you get to the middle of the field and into the red zone. 
Then it becomes the Hunter Henry show. It's weird because I know I like Mike Williams as well. But Mike Williams had 10 touchdowns last year. I can assure you some of those are going to Hunter Henry this year. I absolutely love the dude. I really, really want him. In fact, I- I'd venture to say, Eric, that he's like the number one guy I want because I love where he's going. I love what it's costing. And, and I think it's ultimately well worth picking him at this spot. Hunter Henry right now in the NFFC can be had at pick number 65. He's going behind... Um, he is the sixth tight end off the board. I'll take him right there, no question. That's like in the sixth round ish. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. That's I think to me is what this year will probably be my most owned tight end in best ball because of where he's going. Um, and the truth is, is as you can wait for him. I can load up. I can have two receivers, two running backs, possibly even three receivers and and, and two running backs, and then still get him where uh, in in some drafts. So I, I'm that's kind of like um, a huge value for me. For you I mean you're getting your number four ranked tight end later on when your when your lineup is almost full fill or filled other than the quarterback position. Love Hunter Henry this year, and I'm talking so highly of him because exactly what you said is where he's. Where I'm able to get him is, is the best part about about him right now. So, I don't think his, his ADP is going to stay here. It's going to go up as, as uh, preseason goes on. So I, I tend to agree with you, and I think the important thing for him is like he's healthy, right? Like you're not coming off uh, this major ACL injury. It's been it's been a, over a year. It was in May of twenty what eight, May of twenty eighteen. Yeah, so it's been over a year since he tore that ACL. He played in a playoff game this past January, a few snaps at least. So he's ready to go, and I think that what makes Hunter Henry so exciting is because we've this offense, we've seen them with the tight end. Like, we know how it works in this Anthony Lynn offense. And we've seen it for years with Antonio Gates and the reliance um, by Phillip Rivers. So you just plug this guy in, and it's, it, it's going to be really no issue. He is my number four, just like he's yours, EY. I know that Frank's really in on O.J. Howard. We're going to get to him in a few moments because he's not even my fifth tight end. O.J. Howard comes in a little bit after. For me... I go to Evan Ingram next. He is my fifth tight end, uh, right below Hunter Henry. And that's because you look at this Giants team, and I'm all about options. And we talked before about Zach Ertz and what Philadelphia has, and how the reason I have George Kittle where he is is because there is nobody else that I trust on San Francisco. That's how I feel with the Giants also. There's Evan Ingram and maybe Sterling Shepard. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, but that's it. Evan Ingram is a big, monstrous tight end who we. When Odell Beckham is not on the field, the numbers are just drastically different. Eli and Pat Shermer utilized the tight end uh, more so than not when Odell wasn't on the field, and now Odell will never be on the field. Sterling Shepard is not your prototypical number one wide receiver, which means the Giants don't have a stereotypical number one wide receiver. When they want to go down the field, when they need a big target, they simply do not have anybody else other than Evan Ingram. They've kept him huddled away during the preseason and training camp. He's had extra rest days. They expect a big year from him. And I never forget that Pat Shermer is a former tight ends coach. He loves utilizing the tight end. And I think this season, if the Giants are going to have any success on offense, yes, it's going to be a lot of Saquon Barkley, but I also believe it's going to be a lot of Evan Ingram. He checks in as my number five tight end. We are same season. He's my number five as well. Um, 
you know, six foot three, 240 pounds, runs like the wind, can box guys out, pretty technical route runner. I mean, the reality is, is this guy, he's lines up as a tight end, but the the truth is he's more of a wide receiver than anything. Um, Not really a a, a good blocker, but that's not why he's on the field. He's going to be on the field to catch balls, and that's what he's going to do in New York. I don't think their defense is going to be very good. They're going to have to throw the ball. I know everyone's scared of Eli Manning and possibly the rookie Daniel Jones being the quarterbacks there, but if you look in the late part of the season, Evan Ingram had a huge surge last year um and the connection for him and eli was really good sterling shepherd is their number one wide receiver and that's that's why i like ingram so much just like you said is the the truth is is where else are they going to throw the ball they have no one else golden tate they have but he's suspended for four games so yeah evan ingram is a guy that i really love and and i think that he proved it late in the year last year that he's the real deal Exactly. Coming off that end of the year makes him the real deal, makes you believe, and that's why he's a top five tight end. He's going one or two spots higher, according to the NFFC, uh, than Hunter Henry. Like One is at 63, one is at 64. So they're right there with each other. Um, I I think there's a a clear top six. Ingram and Henry both reach that spot. And then you get to O.J. Howard, who is my number six tight end. Now, O.J. Howard is a freak of nature. He should be awesome. He's a good blocker to boot. But... The reason I can't rank him any higher is because this season, I've said this a lot on this show, and I've said it off the air as well, that I'm all about understanding schemes, right? And I'm all about understanding what coaches do well and what they don't. I mentioned Pat Shermer a moment ago being a former tight ends coach and having this affinity at that position why I think Evan Ingram could be great. O.J. Howard has the talent to be great, but Bruce Arians has never utilized a tight end in a major, major way. Now, Frank has pointed to before all the targets that are gone this year, losing to Sean Jackson, losing Adam Humphreys. That's why he's talked of O.J. Howard. That's why he's talked of, talked of Chris Godwin. But in an office with Bruce Arians, and Mike Florio actually tweeted this out uh, earlier today about how the number, and I'm going to actually I'll read it to you if I can pull up the tweet. He said, Florio, that the number two receiver, since Bruce Arians was a head coach in 2012, that was seven years ago, the number two most targeted player averaged 105 targets, with a high of targets in the season being 124, a low of targets being 61. The number three most targeted player, 81 targets, with a low being of 61, a high of 99. O.J. Howard, to me, is, if we all love Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans is the unquestioned number one wide receiver, O.J. Howard is no better than number three on this depth chart. And as freaky as he could be, well, we know that old reliable Cameron Brait still there for Jameis Winston. Yes, O.J. Howard is going to, have, going to have a good year, and he's a, a fine tight end to choose. But I think, just given history, I think O.J. Howard has to be behind Evan Ingram and has to be behind um, Hunter Henry as well. Yeah, and I mean, we are in Sapatico for sure, man. This is getting kind of freaky. Um, the, the truth is, is, is O.J. Howard is six foot six. Uh, 251 and might be the fastest out of all of these tight ends that we've just mentioned. But like you said, he's the third or fourth target. Another thing we know about Bruce, Bruce Arians, he loves to throw to running backs. He did it before with David Johnson. He's done it with Andre Allington. He did it with Chris Johnson. You know I mean, he, this is going to cut in to his targets. And the fact that you're drafting Evans and Godwin so high, saying this is a one and two, might even a one A and one B. The truth is, there's not enough targets to go around to make him worth that draft spot. The other big thing against him is O.J. Howard is an unbelievable blocker. If they're going to have two tight ends, Bright's going to be the pass catcher. O.J. Howard's going to be blocking. You're absolutely right. When they do utilize two, two tight ends and they need help in the running game, 
OJ Howard's going to be in there, but to block. Cameron Bright will yep. run those extra routes. You're completely, completely right. We'll talk more about this Buck situation and OJ Howard, and we'll fill out the rest of that top tier for me on the other side. It's BFFs here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening with you here on the BFFs. We're having an O.J. Howard conversation, and for Eric and myself, uh, both here at number six sits O.J. Howard. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Love them. Absolutely. Wide receivers one, 1A, and, and Frank has talked about Godwin so so desperately. He texted me earlier this morning saying, please get Chris Godwin on one of our teams. We, we need him. And maybe you think Jameis Winston will throw the ball enough. Maybe you think Bruce Arians and his high-powered vertical attack will be beneficial, and it will. But there's only one ball. And I, you can point out the Rams situation. There's three wide receivers there. We've seen it work. We've seen him do it already. How many plays they call. I don't know that Tampa's offensive line as well is good enough for O.J. Howard to go out on all these routes. Again, I'm not poo-pooing O.J. Howard. He's my number six tight end. And if I wind up with O.J. Howard, I'm okay with that. But when you're picking nits here, O.J. Howard falls at number six, Eric. Yeah, so I've got, uh, I think that's the end of uh, Tier 2 for me. Travis yep. Kelsey's yep. a tier by himself. Then it's Kittle, Ertz, Hunter, Ingram, Howard is the end. And then I pick back up quite a ways down, uh, much later in the draft with Jared Cook. You know, amazingly enough, that's also the end of my tier. And that's also my <laughs> next tight end at number 7. What is, hap- what is, is happening? Jared Cook. It's unbelievable. Probably man. just one of us could have done the show today. This is kind <laughs> of, it's, it's wasting one of our times. I'm not sure who. Uh, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to do right now. So uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no place I'd rather be than, than talking about the exact same thing. There you go. Well, let's. But, hey, we're on the same page. It probably means some things. We're not always there. But Jerry Cook is my number seven. And I get it. People have been burned year after year after year after year by Jerry Cook. And when you rely on him, it's very, very frustrating. Last year, nobody relied on him. And it was a good spot in Oakland. He had well a, a career year with the Oakland Raiders. And now moving on to the Saints. We still have memories of Jimmy Graham, right? We still know how good he could be. Last year, people wound up buying in on Big Ben Watson, and it worked out. Ben Watson had a nice fantasy season. Jared Cook is a bit of a a freak, right? Like, we always want Drew Brees wide receivers, not as much as we did, I'd say, in the prime of his career, but sure, we still want a piece of that offense. Michael Thomas is that first piece. We all like him as a top 10 wide receiver, uh, give or take. Jared Cook is the second... Is the second target here, right? Like, there is yep. nobody, there's nobody else where we're going to look like, and like, all right, well, that guy could be good, sure, and all right, well, that guy makes sense. Jared Cook's the number two wide receiver, or pass catcher, I should say, in this offense. He's going to be utilized in the red zone. Uh, Sean Payton knows how to utilize tight ends. Clearly number seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it's super clear that the New Orleans Saints have proven that it, in an offense, they want their tight end to be heavily favored. I mean, the, the tight end has been a great position there since way back in the Jimmy Graham days. Jimmy Graham hasn't played there in five years, but there's been all these unbelievable tight ends come through there. Jared Cook was good with David Carr as his quarterback. It, Drew Brees is a massive step forward. Look, they're, they're a running team now. They want to run the ball. They're going to do that. But in today's 
NFL, you still have to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball to Michael Thomas for sure. Uh, Trickon Smith is a guy that could be interesting, but I mean, super unproven. And the reality is, is Jared Cook is a beast. This is a guy I've loved since he played in Tennessee. They never had a quarterback that could get him the ball. He's got all the intangibles. Uh, he does have uh, memory lapses, dropsies sometimes. But Jared Cook was a, was a great tight end last year, and I think this year could be even better than he was. Jared Cook could be in store for a big year. It's a better offense, which I, I think bodes well for him. But I guess in Oakland, it was kind of like, well, there's nobody else, especially when they traded away Amari Cooper. Jared Cook should be in line for a really, really solid season. Remember, I mean, he's bounced around the league. He's grown up a little bit after his stints with the Titans and the Rams and getting away from Jeff Fisher. Now, coming off a season where he had 896 receiving yards, where he had six touchdowns, maybe the targets go down a little bit, but I, I think that's okay. You're in, you look at the tight end's position in general, he certainly fits into the top 10 for Eric and myself. We get to number seven. Let's move on to number eight. Who do you have here? Yeah, let's do it at the same time. Ready? Sure. One, two, three. Vance, Vance McDonald. McDonald. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> This is weird. This is weird. I don't feel like we've ever agreed. No. Uh, not not that we're at each other's throats, sure. but with me, you, or Frank, or, or me and Frank, or me and you. Yeah. It's never been like this. There's, there's always this guy switched with this guy. That guy's moved this way. I mean, this is nuts. And, and I've always felt like I've been the highest, the highest out of almost anybody that I've read about or, or followed on Hunter Henry, except for you. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you for all the reasons that you mentioned. And now you're coming in at number eight. It's Vance McDonald. And I, and I think... It's all going to be the same reasons, right? Like, people are like Vance McDonald because he's talented. They liked him all the way back in San Francisco, and they like him in Pittsburgh, too. And one of the reasons um, that you're even more in on McDonald this year is because Jesse James is out there in Detroit. Vance McDonald is a number one tight end. But I do have to throw this out there, EY. Is there a, some, at least, hesitance when it comes to Vance? Because, yes, he's in Pittsburgh, and they do utilize their tight end, but as we saw with Heath Miller, it was a bit inconsistent. Like, I don't think you're going to get consistent numbers from Vance McDonald, although you can make the case you're never going to get consistent numbers from a tight end. Um, is there a little, at least, hesitancy from you when it comes to Vance? Um, yes, but for me, I mean, so it goes those that the, the top tier, right? Then the second tier that we talked about, then I feel like Cook is on an island by himself. And then Vance McDonald is the top. Uh, and there is a guy that I might put above him. Actually, I probably would, would do that right now. I'd put him above, but that would mess up our rankings. And <laughs> Vance McDonald for today. But there's probably about 10 or 12 guys that I could name, and it wouldn't matter to me which one I have. They're all going to be inconsistent. They all have the possibility of catching touchdowns, getting you 5 to 10 points a week, but the next 12 guys are, are basically all replaceable. Yeah, so it sounds like, so as I said, there are eight guys I wanted. Vance McDonald was that eighth. Uh, it sounds like there's really seven guys that you like, and, that, and that's Jared Cook, and that's okay. Um, I think Vance McDonald, you, you look at him, I mentioned Jesse James leaving. Obviously, Antonio Brown's not there either. We've speculated a lot on Dante Moncrief and James Washington. Maybe there'll be a, a, a familiarity factor now with Vance McDonald. But again, he's going to have to stay healthy, something he has not been able to do uh, in recent years. Obviously, he came on strong toward the end of the season. Big Ben relied on him more. Um, I, I think Vance McDonald is a guy that you're okay drafting, but not nearly as okay as the first seven guys that we mentioned. As I look at the NFFC, you have Vance McDonald currently being drafted as the eight tight end off the board. He's going around pick 92, so significantly lower um, 
Then even Jared Cook, who was 82, it's almost a round later. So I think you're right, EY, that it really starts this tipping point here because you're at the crapshoot now. And yep. to, to be honest, at number nine, and I know you don't have this, at number nine, I was going with Eric Ebron. And I don't know what to do with Eric Ebron now, given Andrew Luck, he's not a football player, that there is almost, to me, no hope he's going to be ready for week one. God knows when he'll be ready. And Eric Ebron has to deal with Jack Doyle, and he has to deal with just being a red zone guy, but knowing that he scored double-digit touchdowns last year, knowing that how Frank Reich, the head coach, utilized him in the red zone, for me, I think there's something to be said for that when the next couple of guys, David, Nj- David Njoku, Trey Burton, Delaney Walker, like they're all up in the air anyway. So wouldn't I want a guy that I know is going to be featured in the red zone at least? Yeah, but I mean, to me, I mean, the the for me, the next, you know, at least four or five guys that that's that's going to be their thing. They're they're going to be good for you when they when they score touchdowns. They might have two or three games where they get you a little bit of yards. But the reality is, is you're just hoping for touchdowns. Um, so so I mean, like you could pick pick your poison. And for me, if if you didn't get one of those top seven, and with if you're including uh if you're including Vince McDonald then you can wait to the end of the draft, take a guy in the, you know, the one of the last three rounds and then just stream guys every week. Look at the matchup, look at, at, at uh, what got, uh, defenses are susceptible to the tight end, what offenses are using the tight end and just pick that guy up off waivers. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's fine. If you don't get one of the top seven tight ends, you're, it's it's really a crapshoot. As I said, for me, I still think I'm going to leave Eric Ebron uh, in this spot at nine, and then I get into uh, David Njoku, who I know a lot of people like, Trey Burton, and Delaney Walker. Why you said that if it wasn't just for this show, you would move a tight end ahead of Vance McDonald. Who is that tight end? Mark Andrews, and, and we're done agreeing, yep. and I moved him above Vance McDonald. The reason for that is is him and Lamar Jackson had a massive connection last year, um, and I feel they're going to throw the ball there. Lamar Jackson is going to be better, and like I've said this a hundred times, that's not saying a lot because he was an atrocious passer last year, but it will. I think he will improve. Their wide receiver core is better, but catching balls over the middle, it's going to be him, and I think even some Hayden Hurst is going to be sprinkled in there, but Mark Andrews is going to t- catch a ton of balls and is going to be the goal line guy for the Baltimore Ravens. But as you as you said, there are other tight ends there. You mentioned Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst was the first round draft pick of the Baltimore Ravens a season ago, while Mark Andrews was taken a little bit later on, right? He was, he was taken in the middle rounds of the draft. You don't think this Ravens team, same regime, is going to try to force Hayden Hurst on the field, see what they have before turning back to Mark Andrews? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I feel like uh, they proved that last year. That you know, there was definitely games when they were both healthy, and Mark Andrews was the guy that they used in the pass catcher. And I think that Hayden Hurst, part of this is is maybe it's Hayden Hurst is a better blocker. Than, than Mark Andrews is. Mark Andrews is in the Cameron Cameron Brait vein where he's just going to run routes and catch balls and Hayden Hurst is going to be kept in to to block. They're, this is a running team. This is, I mean, everywhere I can do it, I think this might be the in the top three rushing teams in the NFL this year. I love Mark Ingram. I love Justice Hill. And I even like Gus Edwards. I feel like all three of these guys, I've been trying to stack them on best ball. And I know that sounds nuts having three guys on one team, but for me, they're going to be the best, if not one of the top five best rushers. And I want whoever the guy is going to be week to week for the Baltimore offense. Yeah, I'm not going to have to guess in best ball. They're just going to start whoever gets the balls. Right, of course. No matter who is the uh, the main tight end in Baltimore, they're going to be effective. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who can't 
doesn't really have the ability uh, to throw the ball to some of these deep threats. Uh, he's going to rely on that tight end, whether that's Mark Andrews, whether that is Hayden Hurst, even Nick Boyle um, is there as well. Now, a lot of people are high on on David Njoku, who we haven't gotten to yet. And Njoku is coming into his own. He's obviously a piece in a good offense, but I think fantasy owners expected a lot out of him last year, looking at the talent that he has and, and hoping for more. Last year, it, it didn't happen. And now, you add a player like Odell Beckham to the fold. That's another player that kind of steps ahead of Njoku in the pecking order. Would you draft David Njoku this year? Um, it, it, the, He's in this group. You mean, and, and um, he's two down for me. So I've got Andrews, McDonald, Jordan Reed, then Njoku. And I might even move Njoku down because the more I think about it is like, look, he came on last year, but they were banged up at wide receiver. Moving Jarvis Landry into the slot, Higgins on the outside, Odell Beckham on the other side, and Landry in the middle. Landry is going to control and demand those balls in the middle of the field, and that's going to really hurt Njoku, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think Baker Mayfield, we wanted to buy into this Baker Mayfield, David Njoku uh, connection, and it, it built it built a little slowly for, for our liking, and it didn't ultimately um, nearly come to fruition as much as I expected. I think you'll see more Odell Beckham Jr. David Njoku is a fun name, but certainly not somebody that is an active target of mine. Now, Delaney Walker, I mentioned. Earlier this week, I don't remember what day it was. The days kind of all come together. But Delaney Walker, from everything I know, EY, and totally correct me, you're the Nashville guy, he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he has remained the number one target for Marcus Mariota. He's back now, and I understand he's 35 years old. And maybe he's lost a step coming off a major injury, but he's a guy that's always injured, so he knows how to play it hurt. Would you buy Delaney Walker this year? Delaney Walker was my, is my next tight end, so yeah. we're back to being weirdos again. Um, yeah, he's healthy. Having Humphreys there does worry me. He's a slot guy. He's going to demand those middle-of-the-field throws. But that's kind of like what Marcus Mariota did in college. That's what he likes to do. He's not a, a really a deep ball guy. So Humphreys and Delaney Walker kind of work in that middle of the field. Delaney Walker's for sure going to be the red zone guy. Him and Mariota have a chemistry, and they've proven it. And he's been good. When he's been healthy, he's always been good, and I'm not counting him out. I like Delaney Walker. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you talk about Delaney Walker, I promised Frank I would mention one other tight end, and it's a guy that he has inside his top eight or nine or so, and that is Jordan Reed. We'll get EY's thoughts on Jordan Reed on the other side. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Three questions, three minutes. We'll do tight ends. What I want to do at the top of the action hour, over some of the news and notes uh, from training camp. Of course, we have um, back tonight, the NFL preseason. We'll go over some betting stuff uh, with that. Coming up in hour two, I have a feeling Chris Ventura will join me for that. He doesn't know it yet, but I'm telling him he's going to. All right, three questions, three minutes. EY, question number one. Are you back in on Jordan Reed this season? I am, yeah. For uh, all of, uh, reports from camp, is that he's looking the best he's looked in two or three years. Uh, Jordan Reed is 
He's one of the best tight ends to ever play, but he is injury prone. And, but the reality is, is if you can get 10 games out of him and, and stream the other weeks when he's hurt and hold on to him, you're doing yourself a massive favor. Like I said earlier, I had him just behind Vance McDonald, so I'm getting him all over the place as well. Yeah, I'm not doing the Jordan Reed thing. Um, again, I, I understand that's he's fair. in the best shape of his life, you know, and that's fine. Every player's in the best shape of their life. But it's like an injury waiting to happen, and I think we're going to see a lot of changing in the guard, and maybe a rookie quarterback and Dwayne Haskins will rely on his tight end. I, I just can't get behind this thing anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. I know Frank is going to throw out a whole lot of stats at me. That's fine. Um, but I'm not going to do that. One of the tight end we haven't mentioned here, question number two on today's program, is Trey Burton. He let people down last year. Will you buy back in? Yeah, I got him um, a couple behind Jordan Reed, uh, Austin Hooper, then Trey Burton. Trey Burton, I think, uh, suffered from from confidence. This is what it looked like for me. Is uh, I think he was going to be relied on. They went to, and took him from Philadelphia, paid him a bunch of money. Uh, this is an offense that I'm very high on. They're going to spread the ball around too, but as far as tight end, I think you could do way worse than Trey Burton. If everyone felt like, oh, I, I got burnt and he wasn't great, I think he was still the number eight or ten tight end last year. It's not saying a lot. He wasn't good. I had him everywhere, and uh, and I paid dearly for it. But he still ended up being a pretty decent tight end, statistically. Final question from me, the three questions in three minutes. And that says, pick one. It's a toss-up. Jimmy Graham or Austin Hooper? This year, I'm taking Jimmy Graham. He's healthy. I like that offense. Um, I think that uh, Matt LaFleur uh, does like to pass to the tight end, and and Jimmy Graham will be more effective this year. And I I just can't. He's one of those guys I just can't quit him. He's just, he's good looking. He's he's tall. Very good looking. I love Jimmy. I love Jimmy. Red hair, you know. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit on some headlines. Those are the tight ends. Hopefully you enjoyed. Stick around. More next.